Welcome to the Ripple Fishing Report. I'm your host, Brad Long. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Ripple Fishing Report. Today, we're going to talk to Jordan down in uh, Port St. Joe. How you doing, Jordan? Pretty good, man. Just trying to stay dry. Yeah, that's going to be harder and harder to do for you, I'm afraid. Yeah, it's uh, been a little wet the last couple of days, and looks like the next couple of days are going to be the same. Yeah, what are they? What are they saying? Uh, what's the projected rainfall you're hearing from the local forecast? Uh, today we probably had inch, inch and a half. I think over this week we're supposed to have around three inches of rain. Really? Okay. Well, that's better than I've heard. Of course, it may be different if you go some of the the you know Pensacola, Destin, some of those areas because the little map I found showed six to eight for a lot of areas. Yeah, maybe maybe accumulative in the whole area yeah um i guess because i mean there's there's you know just scattered thunderheads that'll dump a ton of rain for 30 minutes yeah stop you know two hours of no rain and then another little squall will come through so it's it's not just a constant rain it's just off and on yeah so what do you what do you think this is going to do to the fishing in saint joe Oh man, it's going to slow it down in some areas. It's, uh, it may help a little bit with, with the temps, you know, yeah. it may knock the water temp down a little bit. Um, but eventually with all this runoff, it's, uh, it's going to stain the water and, and kind of slow things down just a little bit. Yeah. <clears throat> I figured it would make a mess of, of just about every inshore fishery on, on, in the panhandle. Really? I mean, yeah, it's all over it, with. Oh yeah, it's gonna dirty our water up pretty good. Well, I mean, I guess the lower temperature is a good thing. Um, do you? What do you think it's gonna do? The tarpon bite is this gonna be the the beginning of the end? Yeah, it's. I mean, maybe not completely shut it down. It's just gonna make it hard to find them to yeah. see them. Um, you know, they're they're used to being in or near fresh water. Right. Um, they don't. They don't mind. You know freshwater now a ton of freshwater all at once it may lock them up it may push them out you know a little deeper yeah uh but it it really doesn't affect them too much as far as their their travel you know or where they're going to be swimming it's just it affects us being able to see them yeah well and and justin has kind of said that the there's usually a rain event that sort of signifies the end of the migration and and a lot of times it'll be something tropical but but this and this kind of is i guess but not really i mean but it is a ton of rain it's sort of the same thing so yeah it is and it it came at the worst time we this was going to be our best week of tides um for just a in my you know in my history or my log that's in my head this this week right here coming up to the full moon with our tides was going to be uh, the biggest swim or biggest push of fish generally yeah um just because it is getting down to the wire of when they need to you know they're getting ready to really spawn and, right. and stuff like that and we just have a lot of water movement uh this time of year so and do you, do you, uh, you're saying that would the, the it would this was what you would consider the peak historically yep yep yeah and in my in my opinion this was going to be this week and maybe little into next was going to be the biggest push of fish for for our area with the tides and everything in time of year and yeah then, you know then it kind of trickles off 
and then they, they disappear for a little while. Well, and you know, even if this rain event was sort of the end of it, I didn't even think about the fact until you just brought it up that you won't be able to see them anyway. So yep. you're essentially looking at two weeks, whether they're here or not. And you're really just running out of time at that point, two weeks from now. I mean, that should be sort of the end anyway, begin, you know, they should start trickling off. Yeah. They'll trickle out of here for a little while. And then, you know, we still get a, um, after they do their spawning deal, we, we get a fair amount of fish kind of hanging around and feeding, um, you know, around the pokey schools and, yeah, and, and bait balls off the beaches and stuff. Um, you, you know, there's still ways to catch them. You still see a few, but it's not the large numbers that you, you generally see yeah. leading it, up to this point. Is it worth fishing for them? Yeah. I mean, is I there mean, enough it, of them out there that you could, you could target them and, and probably find some, or is it just. Yeah. On the right day, right yeah. weather, you can still find some fish. You know, you may not be seeing, you know, a hundred or several hundred fish a day, but there's enough to get a couple shots. Yeah. And th- that's where those feeding zones probably become important to know, yeah. to know where they feed historically. And then you, that's probably where they're going to hang around, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so how was it leading up to this rain? Um, oh man, it's beautiful. Perfect. Everything. You know, we were kind of in a drought. We hadn't had a ton of rain. We've had off and on just little storms here and there. Yeah. It's been dry down there, man. It I mean, has been dry and we needed it bad. It, our water was cleaning up. It was beautiful. We yeah. had a good westerly wind with a Western current for, you know, a week or 10 days, beautiful water yep. coming in. And, uh, I mean, the fishing was really, really good. Where were you seeing, obviously the tarpon fishing has been just the best it's been. Have you spent most of your time on the beach side doing that kind of stuff or did you, did you yep. able? Yeah. Yeah. I ran, I ran, uh, couple snapper trips last week yeah um ran three days in a row we went out um snapper fishing and got our limit of snapper then we kind of messed around um got to do some things i really enjoy doing which is live chumming for mackerel yeah okay um, and throwing throwing big plugs for king mackerel so tell me about that um because that's something we haven't talked about before uh how do you, I mean, how do you pick your spot? I mean, are you over a wreck or something or do you just have some spots? Um, some live bottom. I've got some, some live bottom spots that are, you know, within eight or nine miles of the beach. Yeah. Um, typically your Kings aren't going to be way out. Right. Um, they like being closer, you know, uh, I would say closer to shore, which I've called them right off the beach, but, uh, they generally like anywhere from 50 to a hundred feet. Okay. And, uh, yeah, a lot bottom, you know, they will be around some wrecks, um, some artificial stuff, but I've got, I've got some good areas, which is live bottom. And there's always, uh, some mackerel in that, in that area, but my favorite way, I hate trolling for them, which I know a lot of people do. Yeah. I don't like it either, man. Yeah. Just to me, it's kind of monotonous and it's exciting when you get a bite, but my favorite way, <clears throat> sorry, is to anchor up or spot lock. Yeah. Um, and what I'll do is I'll live chum. I'll, I'll throw some handfuls of pilchards or some small pogies, uh, or thread fins or whatever you got. I'll, you know, kind of toss a handful of them out, um, let them swim around. And then I'll throw a, a like a flat line behind the boat. And okay. as soon as that one, as soon as that flat line goes off, I know they've moved in close. Yep. 
and then I'll throw a couple more handfuls of live chum, and then I'll let my clients throw big hard baits or big poppers. Okay. Um, and it's just an exciting bite. I mean, oh yeah. You know, when they decide to hit it, they a lot of times they torpedo out of the you know out of the water 10, 15 feet in the air. Yeah. Um, big explosions at the boat. You know, it's just exciting. It's very visual. Yeah. And that you know, and that you get to feel that bite and that initial run that they make is incredible. So, so I got, I got a question though. Have you ever done that with a fly rod? I have. So Um, how is that? Cause I'm the way you just described that. I'm like, I'm just thinking, man, if you could, (laughs) if you could throw a big popper or some kind of bait fish fly out there, it is fun. It is fun. It's uh, if you can get a little wire, um, you know, you got to tip it with wire. Yeah. They make they make some shark leaders now that are that are wire coated in mono. Yep. Um, and you can throw those, and if you can throw it far enough, um, and get one to bite, it's 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 exciting, man. It's yeah. a lot of fun. They they their initial burst is 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 very very fast. Yeah, they um they remind me of uh, have you seen video? I, I've never experienced it. You might have, but barracuda will I mean jump in the boat. They kind of rem- kings kind of remind me of something like that. That the way they, I guess it's their shape, you know. But- it's yeah, it's it's similar. I mean, you'll you won't see them, you know, and you'll be casting a lure, and then you know you're you're get it ten fifteen feet from the boat, and you think, well, they're not going to get a bite, and all of a sudden, this flash of silver and giant explosion right at the boat happens, and yeah. you just hear drag screaming. Man, it's it's it can be a lot of fun. Um, you know, so it's a fun way to catch them after you've got got your lemon snapper or something like that. Yeah. So we did that. I had a client who booked me, and he loves any anything that's visual. Jacks, you know, big jacker valves, amber yeah. jacks, tarpon, you know, anything he can throw a plug or watch happen, he loves it. So when I told him about that, you know, I'd sit here, try this, and he just, he's like, yep, this, let's just do this. So yeah. we caught like, I think we caught nine the first day. Wow. That's yeah, wild. Was, so once they move in, I mean, you got them, you just keep chum and keep them around. Right. Yep. Yep. So they, you know, they kind of, they'll, they'll school, but they kind of spread out around that flat, you know, that live bottom. Yeah. Um, they'll kind of get off to themselves in little groups and just kind of spread out over the live bottom, waiting for bait to come through the area. Yeah. Um, so live chum and just kind of brings them in closer to the boat. Um, to where when you throw a plug out there, you can kind of get them fired up. Yeah. So is there, can you do that? I mean, is it just like a, a late summer thing or, or is there a time of year that's best that typically July, you yeah. know, every now and then we'll have some Kings show up, you know, mid June into June, but it's normally 4th of July on through the month of August is when our King numbers are, are uh, showing up. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Cause you know, I know offshore guys have got numbers for just live bottom or they, they're probably thinking, Oh, I've got these spots. I have nothing. You know I mean? I wouldn't be able to do that cause I don't, mm-hmm. I'm not out there enough, but guys that are, you know, I know they've got it marked. That's, that's worth trying, especially when you go knock out your red snapper limit in, in an hour and then you're looking for something fun to do the rest of the day and you're already out there, you know? Oh yeah. That's yeah, a, it's, it's super fun. exciting. And you know, they're some, I love eating them. Yeah. Um, smoking them, making dips and, you know, grilling them that night, you know, nice steak on the grill that night is very good. So when people say, Oh, I don't like Kings, they, they're either too lazy. They don't want to clean them right. <laughs> or they let them sit 
you know, they freeze them. They don't freeze well. Um, yeah. They either freeze them or they let them sit in the refrigerator for three or four days and then try to cook them. But if you, if you grill them that night, man, it's delicious. So do you bleed them out or is there nope. anything? I just, I don't, you don't have to just cut the bloodline out of them when you clean them. Yeah. You know, everyone, a lot of people stake them, you know, they cut them right. horizontal or I guess that'd be vertically through their body. Yeah. They cut through the backbone and just leave the steak. Well, you leave that when you cook it, you leave that bloodline in there. Um, so I like to fillet them, uh, off the backbone and then cut the bloodline out and then leave the skin on and then just smoke the, the meat with the skin on. Okay. Yeah, I've uh, I've wanted to get e- even Spanish just to make fish dip, smoke it and make fish dip with it, and mm-hmm. I just haven't done it when I because I I rarely target Spanish mackerel even in the spring when when I should you know but mm-hmm. it just uh, if I if I get a couple I'll I'll, I'll, I'll keep them to do that but yeah yes, all the mackerel you got to get the bloodline for sure that's right yep well so it sounds like this uh, this rain's not gonna necessarily shut everything down it might improve some things once the water cleans up a little bit so we got some time you know yeah it's it's not as of right now it's not you know real windy it hasn't stirred the the gulf up a whole lot you know we've got like a one two foot swell kind of coming in yeah but we don't have a whole a bunch of heavy wind coming off of it so it's not really stirring a lot of things up yeah um, which typically when we have super heavy winds it stirs the beaches up and that'll push all the tarpon off that'll yeah, stir all that mud up and that takes several days for that to clean up um so if we just get rain and light winds it, it shouldn't muddy up things too bad but we will get that that freshwater runoff that'll well, but, but you know, the, the good news um and and you mentioned it earlier but this week particularly you're going to have stronger tides because of the moon phase and so it's it should exchange that water out faster yep, than normal. We got big uh, incoming big outgoing tides that yeah. should suck all that stuff out. Yeah. Now. So if it doesn't get if the if it doesn't get whipped up because of the wind like you said and it's just a fresh water issue and it's muddying it up, it ought to clear up a lot quicker. You know, we're saying two weeks, it may be more like week and a half. You know, because this yeah, week's hope, all rain, but yeah, you know, yeah, it's it's not looking good for next couple of days, but hopefully, maybe tomorrow or Wednesday, uh, Thursday, we can get a trip in. I've had to cancel the last two days. Yeah, well, I hope so too. And and what? So when it's nasty like this, what do you, what do you do? Focus on the wreck fishing because that's kind of the obvious thing that's still kicking and not affected yeah as much. you know if we can get out you know i haven't been out the last two days just because of, we were supposed to tarpon fish and the guy's pretty local so he's just like you know don't worry about it we'll get we'll catch better weather but yeah typically if it's people that are here for the week and this is their only day then we would just live bait you know in the bay trout and redfish kind of stay close to the boat ramp, you know, semi-close. Right. In case we, we need to run off real quick. Um, but a lot of times the fish bite really well during these these spells where we get a lot of rain and and uh, pressure changing in the area. It keeps temperatures down. 
Yeah. And they feel that low pressure building off and on. So it, it can kind of trigger them to bite. So, well, and you know, something else too, I mean, you, with the rain, just hitting the water, you're getting a, an oxygen, a, a little kicker of oxygen in there, you know? Oh yeah. And, uh, that kind of gets them going too, but I guess lightning and wind is more of your, your concern. Yeah. Unless, unless you just don't want to get wet. I mean, you have, I don't that. care about getting wet. If there's any chance of lightning, then we won't be out in it. Um, and not even close to it, but, uh, if it's just, you know, pop-up showers here and there, um, light winds and yeah, we'll, we'll fish in it for sure. If the people want to go. Yeah. Well, that's good to know. Cause that's, that's kind of what you're going to have some of these days for sure. You know, oh, yeah. it sounds like it's just a bunch of, when it does rain, it's going to be a lot, <laughs> you know, that's the only problem. Yeah, it's, it doesn't last long, but it comes down pretty heavy. Well, man, you know, the, uh, what's your take on this? Um, with your, with your background, what's the deal with the red snapper? I mean, there doesn't seem to be, and you ask any recreational guy, they're going to tell you there is, there's no shortage of these things. What, what's the deal? I mean, you're seeing it this year again, and it's, and and it's again, there's no, you know, what, what's your thoughts on that? And the, the red snapper deal is all, you know, political for the most part. They've, um, Several years ago, they went to a federally regulated snapper okay. quota, I guess is the word for it, which means the federal government regulated the entire Gulf of Mexico. So okay. they made regulations based on research that they had had through the late 90s to mid 2000s Wow! on red snapper quota, which back then commercial fishing was humongous. Yeah. And there were much, weren't much regulations. So the numbers that they got through that span were skewed. Sure. Um, but also the numbers they got were random locations throughout the Gulf of Mexico. And this is similar to what I did as a, as a, as my research, my senior year, Okay. you take, you, you throw a random grid out into an, an area, a body of water. And then you highlight certain squares, and it may be a square foot, maybe a square mile, maybe a square meet, you know, right? Whatever, <clears throat> square yard, whatever it is. Um, but you highlight random. It's just a random choice of those grids, and then you you take a sample from those random grids of numbers of fish or whatever that you see, and then. You get all that compiled and you put it into an equation and it gives you an estimate on what the total should be for the entire area of Gulf of Mexico. So does it, does it give you any type of, do you tell it what lies within that space on the grid that, that it's picked? Nope. It has no, it has nothing to do with if you're over line bottom, if you if that grid happens to hit a artificial wreck, it's so that's what, that's where it's, so it's it worthless. Skewed. That's completely it, well, worthless. It's not, it's not worthless. Unless you get lucky and you hit a grid that shows you an area where snapper actually live. Well, I mean, because no. otherwise you're just uh, out in blue water and who knows? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It can be, it can be skewed because you can, one of those grids can land on just a barren area. Right. With nothing. And, or all of them could have landed on, you know, loaded reefs or, or wrecks. And so your numbers for those random areas could be super high or super low. Yeah. When and all 
you know, and, and a lot of those random grids could have been off the Florida coast, could have been off the Atlantic or the Alabama coast. Yeah. They were trying to do it for the entire Gulf of Mexico. And it, it's just too difficult. There's too, it's too vast. There's too much area to try to use that kind of, uh, data collection to get a, a proper number. Right. That doesn't even seem like, I, I can't imagine how that would work with anything other than blue water fish well, where it's like small, you wanna, smaller, you know, smaller bodies of water. It's a little easier, but you got to think of the vastness of the Gulf of Mexico. Right. But what, I mean, um, like on a bay or something, like if they're doing something for redfish or something, I mean, is that, cause I don't understand how, how you could, anybody would know if you, if you, if you take a completely gr- grid and a complete random choice out of that grid and that's what you sample. I mean, the odds of you choosing something that has a, even a single red snapper in it out of the whole Gulf would be really hard, I would think. Well, know? it's it's just it's difficult because they don't have the manpower or the, the money to to cover the entire Gulf. I mean, it's just it's it's damn near impossible. Yeah. To do it on that large of a scale, um, but they they tried to do it over a extended period of time and years, and a, you know basically random grids through 15 years they should have covered most of the gulf I well things and not, things yeah, and not ever doing anything twice uh, yeah i said yeah. okay I, that's starting to make more sense now i, I forgot about the timeline i thought it was like yeah a this one was shot. over years this okay. was over years of doing it but fish move around big storms change the bottom um and so it's still just random it's it's very difficult to get it so then they yeah. went into you know interviewing commercial fishermen and boat captains. Well, they're never going to tell you the truth right. of what they're seeing. So they tried to get a number and when they came up with the estimated numbers of red snapper in the Gulf, well, then they allowed a certain amount of quota to be taken. Well, then this is where your political thing came in. There was already large commercial guys who owned huge chunks of that quota. They okay. bought it years ago well when they when the government came out and said we're only going to allow say three million pounds of fish to come out of the gulf well if one guy already owned 1.5 million pounds of that quota so now he owns half the quota that can be taken he can now sell bits of that quota for big big money yeah and that's and i've heard about that in the commercial world but so what they do is out of that total number they come up with they deduct all these guys that are guaranteed to theoretically pull out yep and then whatever's left they they give out to the recreational guys so if there's only say ten thousand pounds of recreational snapper can be taken left that's going to take you know two weeks to achieve uh, three theoretically with all the recreational guys and charter captains now. Yeah. So that's where they were coming up with a three day season or a, you know, a 10 day season and stuff like that. So right. now they've gone to each state is doing their own, uh, studies and getting their own numbers. And then each state is allowing certain limits and quotas to be taken from their you know, their areas, okay. their respective parts of the Gulf of Mexico. Right. And Florida's doing, you get a survey and, and some other things that they do, I guess, because it seems like they got better information faster and opened the season up accordingly. 
Yeah, and they've done, you know, all the charter captains, they call us randomly and say, hey, did you run any trips from this period to this period? What were you targeting? If you were targeting snapper, you know, how many trips did you run? How many fish did you catch? Things of that sort. Um, and, And that's getting a little bit better idea. But again, a lot of your charter captains and your fishermen aren't going to tell you the truth. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just a very difficult way. It's a very difficult thing to properly know the numbers that are out there anyway. Yeah. Um, another, another thing they're doing now is FWC is learning or trying to figure out these, um, these different spots people are fishing. and log them into their database and then they're going to have scientists you know biologists go dive them and look at these places and see what's out there yeah um and that that you know that'll take years but that'll give you a little bit better idea of the number of red snapper because if you dive on a large uh natural reef and you count you know 300 red snapper in this one little area well, then you can kind of guesstimate the similar bodies, you know, bottom areas right. are going to hold about the same number of fish, yeah, give or take. So it, you know, depending on pressure and how many times that place has been fished, stuff like that. But yeah, they're they're getting a better science and better data collecting, just mainly with technology and stuff like that. So, yeah. but the, the whole issue with the the limits and all that and the battle between commercial and recreational was because when they came out with that, that limited quota, they couldn't take the quotas that these guys had bought years ago. They couldn't take them away. Right. But you know, you know and, they, and I get that because now you've got people that don't even own boats and they literally make a living off of selling that quota. They make millions, millions yeah. of dollars off selling quotas to fishermen of stuff they've owned forever. And they've, you know, they haven't been fishing in years and it's just, they just happen to have it at the right time. And and so that's where each state now is doing their own thing. And it's going to be a lot, it already has been a lot better, um, controlled. And there was a big deal where Noah, um, who was in charge of a lot of this data collecting was caught skewing the data towards the commercial guys yeah no kidding yeah so for years they collected data and said this one thing and they were coming up millions of pounds short to lessen the season for recreational because the commercial guys were paying them off to skew the data so that's why the local state governments have taken over to control their own areas and, and surrounding waters instead of letting one organization do it for the whole gulf which again is damn near impossible yep and the only thing you could get right back into that same situation yep you know because it's at the state level almost easier to get in the pocket of some of these guys i mean let's look at the sugar industry and see (laughs) you know know what i'm saying like it happens so florida's not immune to that in fact in this type setting this is sort of what they do historically so it's that's right it's concerning to some degree but at the same time what are you supposed to do you know it is a business and but the the thing about florida is the recreational fisherman brings in 90 percent of the industry for the state of florida right that's what makes the state of florida is the fact you're surrounded by for them for them to lessen the 
recreational fishermen their days that's less money coming into the economy of the state of florida so yeah it's going to be hard for them to be paid off you know to skew it to where now the whole state of florida is making less money yeah. that would be that'd be a difficult thing it's easier when one gov one organization controls the whole part of the gulf right um but it's uh it'd be a little 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 more difficult to do it for florida yeah that's a good point and i know i've read articles about alabama and, and that the quota being sold and passed around and it's to the point where it's like people's great grandfathers are the ones that originally bought them you know what i mean yep. like these are folks that like you said they may not even fish and yep. it's just like these federal permits you know they don't make them anymore so old timers who've had them for years who bought them for 50 bucks 100 dollars back in the day have had them for 35 40 50 years and they're now selling them for 40 50 thousand dollars yeah because you know, they don't make them and if you want them you got to spend a ton of money for these to to get it you know it, and it would you could easily make it non-transferable and shut all that down and yep. and that is one way to resolve it but then you know you have a lot of people that i don't know let's assume they're not like me and you right they got millions of dollars coming in for a for snapper quota so i mean they they kind of got their hands in in different places than normal folks. You know what I mean? Yeah. These, are, these are the donors and the supporters and potentially. So I don't know. It's just, uh, it's not a good thing, but then it's sort of, uh, what are you going to do? You know what I mean? It's just been that way. Yeah. It's been going on for years. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, man, Jordan, thank you for bringing us up to speed on that. Cause, uh, it always, I mean, you don't have to spend much time on the internet during snapper season or when they announce different things to see the, the general feeling of the population about a snapper season and what are we doing, you know, same with trigger fish. And there's, there's some questionable things, um, out there, but red snapper tends to be the one that really grabs everybody. Cause anybody fishes for them. You're like, man, there's plenty of these things. Like you, you there's they times are. you can't not catch them, you know? Yeah. The but, only thing I wish they would do in my opinion is leave it at two per person. That's plenty of fish. Yep. Keep it open all year round except for July or June and July. And and what the is that their spawning month? That's that's when they're spawning. Yeah. Well, yep. and, and see the they'll science. Spawn, they'll 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 start spawning near from May through you know August because of water temperatures and moon phases and our sun and all that. But June and July is when they're you cut open a 20 pound red snapper right now today. She is slam full of eggs. And you know, that's funny because that's very, the science on that is very contradicting to the economic reasons why you would want to do that. They open it up for summer because more people can come exactly. fish for them in the summertime. And, and they, so, if they left it open at two per person all year long, except for June and July, people would still come off and on throughout the year. The boat ramps wouldn't get, completely pounded and crowded and chaotic right you know just during the summer they'd make tons of money and the snapper population would be fine because they'll spawn all summer when you can't kill them yeah but that's, that's just my opinion my well, two cents it doesn't mean a whole lot well and that's and but that you know and, and there's something to be said for okay well now you have people potentially visiting during an off season because they can go catch they're, they're going to come here for the summer regardless. Right. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. 
That makes sense, man. You got my vote, Jordan. Well, I'm never going to be the one making the rules. So get it in the right hands. It's uh, it's just me, you know, saying my opinion. That's it. Well, that's what we're here for, buddy. Yes, sir. Well, good. Well, thank you, man, and thank you for sharing that with us. Tell us how to get a hold of you to book a trip and uh, and and go check out the the snapper population for yourself. <laughs> um, uh, it, you know, social media, Instagram, Facebook, Saltwater Obsessions, uh, any of those direct messages, I'll reply. Best way, as always, is a phone call eight five zero two two seven six five five zero. Perfect, man. Thank you so much, Jordan, and thanks everybody for listening. And uh, I will try to do this again next week, buddy. Yes, sir. Sounds good. All right. See ya. All right.